Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today, we are back in Africa with Matt Brown. This is the second season of our series called Uganda Startup. We're following the journey of Matt and Jessica Brown as they stand up a clean water company in remote Uganda. And Matt, welcome back to the program. I'm sure a lot has happened. Hey, Jonathan. Yeah, it's good to be back. What's the latest? You know, give us a recap because it's been a few months since we really touched base. And, you know, also give the audience kind of a little catch up quick one or two lines of the backstory of why you guys are doing what you're doing. Yeah. So we uh, real quick, uh, we have this um, water distribution um, business. We're hoping to set up or we're in the process of setting up in a remote town here in Uganda. Uh, Town's about 30,000 people. Um, no infrastructure, very uh, underserved, uh, extreme water problems. And uh, so we are trying to find a way to yeah, distribute water. We, we're, we're drilling, we did drill, and we're going to be distributing it with very minimal uh, uh, payment required from local residents because, I mean, they live in mud huts, you know, they don't right. have much income. So, but we needed a way to maintain the systems so they don't fall apart, which is one of the biggest problems with water drilling and water systems that get set up is maintenance. Um, and so we're, yeah, we're trying to solve that. Um, so this is kind of like a pilot, uh, you know, system that we're getting going. And uh, yeah, we're just in the development stage right now. I mean, we've got our borehole drilled, but we can't start distributing water yet because we have to finish some construction uh, offices, you know, uh, and just all the things that go along with that, basically. Yeah. Well, last time uh, we talked, your uh, your drill unit caught on fire, delayed you guys a little bit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So was, what happened after that? How did you guys bounce back from that thing? Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember uh, what what was the last we talked about. So I mean, yeah, we you know we outsourced the borehole drilling to a big company that's been doing thousands of them for you know thirty years or so here. Um, well, they sent us one of their oldest rigs. They're like, Hey, these guys are new. They, you know, they don't know what's going on. Let's send them our junkiest rig. Cause they have a bunch of them all over the country and let's work it to death. And so they did burnt down. Um, and so then they had to bring in a new rig to finish. I mean, it took way longer than it should have. Um, but they finally got it drilled. Uh, and we ended up getting good output from the borehole, but not as much as we had hoped for, uh, to, to meet the needs of all 30,000 people in the community. Um, so that was on the one hand, uh, disappointing, but on the other hand, also kind of relieving because <laughs> but we could probably meet with this current borehole that we have already drilled. We could probably meet the needs of, I'm trying to remember ballpark, maybe 4,000 people. Or so. Okay. Um, and we can drill more boreholes nearby and uh, just tie them into the same system. So our, our system, we'll, we're building our system, water tanks and everything to be able to receive um, enough to sustain the whole community. 
and we just may have to drill more boreholes to meet the needs of that. Right. Um, but it, the relieving part about it is that we uh, can start a little bit smaller. So the, the upfront infrastructure we have to build, put in place um, to get going, namely solar and battery systems, because there's no electricity, you know, back to that, no infrastructure, right? Um, that's a lot smaller because our borehole pump is a lot smaller. So um, all that to say, we can get things going a lot quicker um, and just test run it. You know, let's you know, let's see if this works. Let's see if this model works. Let's see if people can afford it, if they're keen on it. Um, we're confident they will be because it has been done in uh, a bunch of other places here in East Africa. So we think it will work, but, you know, it'll be good to see how the community responds. And if it, they respond well and it's sustainable, then we'll feel confident to drill another borehole to tie in so we can start serving more people in the community. Yeah. What is, what does uh, like a sustainable result look like for you guys? Like, what are you looking for at this point? So, so we, um, in short, being able to generate enough revenue uh, from selling water. And so the way we're selling it is just by providing taps that uh, regulate the flow of water. People have a little, token it's an off-grid token um that has water credits stored on it and they pay for those credits uh equivalent of maybe like half a cent uh to go collect water okay we'd like to do a delivery model also uh where people pay like about two cents to have water delivered but that's that'll probably be more targeted businesses and such because people will people are so used to going to fetch water they'll probably still end up preferring the cheaper method of just collecting themselves for half a cent. Right. That's half a cent for 20 liters, half a cent for what we call it a jerry can. Everyone uses them here that you go with your big 20 liter jerry can, you fill it up and you walk it home. Right. Um, so uh, that's interesting. Anyways. So even though there would be potentially a delivery option, that's a little mm-hmm. bit more expensive. You finding like there's almost like a cultural dynamic to it, like a cultural norm of, acquiring yeah, the water yourself it, and carrying it right well not necessarily um well i would say to an extent to an extent yes um so our goal is to set up these taps we call them water kiosks um throughout town and the, the aim is for within 100 yards of households so you kind of have like a radius like we literally have a map of the town satellite image and like you know here's our water site here are the main clusters of huts and houses and, you know, if we can position these within 100 yards of a big cluster, you know, so everyone doesn't have to walk so far. Right. Currently they walk several kilometers um, on average, you know, and so 100 yards is nothing. Right. So for them, it would be like, well, of course, I'd much rather just walk across, you know, down the street a little ways, go grab my water and come back, then pay four times as much to have it delivered. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Not that pressing, but it is pressing enough where like they're currently spending six to eight hours a day collecting water. That's the average from surveys we've done in the community. So there's a huge difference we can make even just by positioning multiple water taps close to their homes. Right. Um, That's going to be drastic. And so then the delivery portion will be huge for businesses in town. I mean, businesses, they're just little tiny shops and holes. Yeah. I mean, there's several hundred of them, but, um, there, these are people who can't leave their shop because, yeah. you know, no one would watch it. So they'd be willing and happy to pay. Um, it still would be much cheaper than anyone else to deliver. Um, but 
anyways, yep. Those are kind of the two big uh, okay. ideas we're, we're shooting for. Wow. It's amazing. The stuff you got to figure out in a, in a, uh, remote market context like this, where you're trying to assess needs and services and viability, yeah. sustainability. It's got to be, it's got to be new. A, a lot of new yep. stuff that comes at you guys. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, you know, understanding the local communities, knowing what their day to day looks like, what they're used to, what their tolerances are for pricing. Yeah. What we can handle how we can, how on earth we can meet their needs and still be sustainable and bring in enough revenue, you know? Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, things to juggle and to make it, to pull it off. So yeah. And we'll see, but how's stuff cool. going with your staff? Like you had hired some people, right. To help you with this. Yeah. We, uh, we, our main guy is, a uh, our local director. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Joshua. He is, uh, just a godsend literally prayed for him for a long time didn't know who how we were going to find someone uh and we we, yeah god just sent him through someone and we hired him on last year he's just yeah he's the face of the company here okay he knows everyone in government everyone at all the district levels locally um he is the guy that's getting stuff done he yeah handles our day-to-day operations and so he's been my main point of contact and so i'm just behind the scenes kind of orchestrating stuff right um nobody yeah people don't see me so much which is a good thing yeah because <laughs> when they see a white person uh you know in africa they think money um they you know and it, it can cause problems um so right. it's good that i'm not seen <laughs> you right. know, it's like i mean and he is he's the one doing all the hard work really and uh, managing our other staff uh so we have uh, two security guards currently for a compound that's going up. Um, and we have some contract, uh, workers that we also employ, uh, several of them. Um, I mean, they're contract, but we've employed them consistently for quite a few months now. Um, and uh, we also have a lawyer that's, uh, not full time, but he, almost as full-time at this point. Um, so, man, yeah. that's fantastic. You know, as I, as I've he- heard you talk about Joshua, right? Your uh, staff guy, your main director. Uh-huh, yes. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, you know, people would hear this and, and maybe they're in the middle of considering doing something like this, maybe even in a different country, but there's, there's probably some value points or things that you observe in Joshua that are in a way, make him the right guy for the job? Like what stands mm-hmm. out in him? Like as, as far as character mm-hmm. or wiring or yeah. mentality, cause mm-hmm. you know, someone else might be hearing this going, man, I wonder how I could like identify an, a Joshua in my community. Like what would I be yeah, looking yeah. No, for no, yeah. in that? Yeah. I mean, so I would say what we were looking for and, and what he has turned out to be two things. Primarily, I'd say the first thing above anything especially in our context here in east africa it was integrity okay Uh, a a man of god someone who is trustworthy honest uh good with i mean able to handle money that's that's the biggest problem here we have so much uh corruption and mishandling of money um and i mean it is just virtually every single organization i know um and that I'm friends with the directors of like, it's just across the board. I mean, it's just such a struggle here um, for people to be able to handle money and not be skimming 
stealing money on the side, you know, putting right. things away, inflating. So that's that's something we'd seen for a long time. We we're like, how how do we not get caught in this where we have someone? I mean, that's our leader. I mean, he's the top dude in our company. How do we find someone that can do that well? That can do that in a godly way? And um, yeah, so that was one of our biggest prayers. And this guy, uh, I mean, he came recommended through another Ugandan friend who is my most trusted Ugandan friend. I've known him for years. And uh, the only way I was able to find him was just through spending time, Okay, you know, getting to know this person, um, getting, I, I got to know their family, you know, um, just lots of interactions, discernment. I mean, there's a lot of discernment, I guess, praying about it. Um, okay. you know, and I uh, just felt he had a really sincere spirit. I mean, his, you could look at the data, just the, you know, the facts around him. His parents were both pastors. Um, he's done uh, lots of mission work, local mission work um, conferences with youth. Uh, he studied community development, you know. So you can kind of see these things that start to stand out too, just on paper right. that start to look like, okay, this guy has a good desire. But again, it's there's tons of people like that that still, you know, struggle just with the temptation, of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, maybe not being totally honest once they get in a position of authority where they start receiving lots of money. Cause that, I mean, he's handling, you know, for a Ugandan, um, generally speaking, he's handling like massive amounts of money, sure. um, you know, relative to income levels here. And so, and he's just very, um, so anyways, I'll have to say integrity, uh, was one of the biggest things, someone that I could trust and know, mm-hmm. He says this is what's happening. I believe him. Um, and obviously there was a parole or not parole, but probation, parole, wrong word, probationary period we did <laughs> the first three months. Cause it's like, you know, I, it seems like everything looks good, but you know, let's see first three months if any red flags pop up, right. you know, and nothing, you know, and he's almost at one year now and it's just been great. So integrity. And then also the second thing, which I would say is obviously important, especially for a director role um, or at least whatever you want to call it. Um, his leadership role, um, you have to have, you know, some ability to, and this is what part, this part of my interview with him. I was like, can you find problems and then find solutions to problems? You know, you need to be able to, you know, identify the problems and solve them on your own. Like okay. you can't get stuck. Like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Right. Well, you know, cause that's that there's a mentality of that, you know? Um, and it's not necessarily bad. That's just kind of, you know, how some people are wired. Some people have, you know, the work they've done, the types of jobs they've done. Um, you know, they haven't had to um, solve bigger vision problems. And, you know, um, so he, he during the um, probation period, just, you know, did that really well. We also set him up in the beginning. I thought it would be really important to give him some time to learn technology. That was yeah. a big thing. Cause you know, <clears throat> he was going to be remote for the first little while because we were just going back to the States last year to have our baby right when we found him, hired him. And uh, so I set aside several weeks for him to learn how to use an iPhone, okay. how to use a MacBook, yeah. send him over a couple of these things so that we can communicate. I mean, fluid right. communication is so important. Right. And uh, send him a ton of, just videos. We talked through things. We had calls about different stuff, you know, how to use, how to share documents and things. I mean, he already had some office experience, a little, a little bit at a bank. 
Um, you know, so obviously computer skills are important, but anytime you get remote work, remote management involved, you've got to be able to use technology too. So um, that was key, his willingness to learn, okay. willingness to pursue solutions and learn. Um, so that's probably way too, way too much. Of no, it's really yeah. good. I'm hearing integrity is an obvious number one, uh, yeah. teachability, a learner, uh, also yeah. a, a, adaptable problem solving. Those are yep. like things that are indicators that stand out. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, his, uh, his the condition of his faith and his kind of standing in the community and reputation. Yeah. yeah. Those are all evaluation uh, yeah. points. Reputation is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that's that right there, though, is a really solid, uh, at least a small grid for people who are looking, hey, how can I find yeah, a guy like yeah. this? That's that's really helpful. Yeah. And Absolutely. And it's a life changer. I would, yeah, like the number one thing that has changed our organization is having Joshua, the number one thing. And that has in turn changed our family's outlook because we can rely on him to do stuff. Right. And I'm not in the trenches so much where I forget the whole, you know, I can't even focus on the vision or know what's going on because I'm trying to navigate cultural. So that's another big thing. I, I you know, I could spend my whole life here. I'm still never going to be an African, right? right. And I'm never going to be able to, I could get better at understanding how to cross. I mean, I grew up in China, so I know this, you know, even in China, like I can understand Chinese culture well, but people are always going to treat me differently. Right. Even if I understood the culture super well. And so having him as a, you know, they don't look at him differently and he knows how to interact with all of these different people that you have to interact with to get an organization up and going Um, he knows how to communicate with them in a way that's that they don't they hear what he's saying in a culturally just relevant way um that i yeah so that that's been another thing that i didn't expect you know yeah to be able to pull off a lot of meetings a lot of um, government meetings uh you know getting things done approved with the government what we're doing you know uh, so many so much of that stuff like i would have really struggled with um and uh yeah so it's been great having him for that that's fantastic and how is you know you mentioned how it's affected and relieved to a degree your family life you know how is family life at this stage in this endeavor i mean you guys are well into this yeah how's the family adapting and doing in this process yeah um in relation to the water stuff uh water projects uh it's we're I think we're doing really well um, because I mean we have set it up to where my role now I mean with Joshua doing a lot of the groundwork my role is almost entirely remote um, now I'll have meetings with him in person um, every couple of weeks and uh, with our lawyer every now and then but most of what I do is remote. Um, and that comes back to that orchestration kind of vision stuff. I'm, right. you know, kind of in the background, doing a lot of communications and um, a lot of the financials. He doesn't, you know, see the full oversight. I, I handle the U.S. side of things, you know, and right. so um, so that's all remote. So that frees me up to not be. Yeah, so stressed out um, away from the home so much, uh, you know, where. I'm putting more burden on Jess with our three young kids, you know, um, and that's just fantastic. That's yeah. really amazing um, to be able to flex uh, for my family um, in this role. I felt the pressure. I felt the stress um, last year before we had Joshua hired on of having to do everything myself. Right. You know, and uh, 
And it was, yeah, so much of a, a burden just on my shoulders all the time that I felt. And I couldn't, just couldn't get things done as quickly. Um, and he can probably do things like four times as fast as me. Again, also because he's Uganda. And he knows, like, right. just knows how to get on a bus and go up north. To <laughs> it's the little things, right? Like, yeah, little things like that, you know? And he's a single dude who's younger and, like, yeah. doesn't care. Like, he loves going up there. And he schedules his own trips. And he goes, like, every two weeks. I would not go every two weeks. I'd be like, no, I cannot go for three days every two weeks. I'm not leaving my family. So, right, right. so things would go a lot slower, you know? Like, um, because I would just be unwilling in my circumstances, my family circumstances, I would feel that's not possible. And so he is willing. He accepted that on uh, early on yeah. um, as part of his job that he's, you know, full-time hired for and he's yeah, killing it. And that in turn, you know, just, just makes such a huge difference on our family uh, health. I mean, we're just, yeah, just thriving, let's say um, in relation to the water business. It's yeah. Just amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. So you've really found kind of an equilibrium, like how to do this in the context you're in, uh, just with these dynamics and factors sort of coming into place. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, that's so great. And then do you feel like you're, you know, obviously you're in a quite foreign environment as a family. Have you been able to find like a rhythm to find a normal, like, is there a new normal for you guys? Like, or is, is it constantly having to adjust, adapt, reposition, or do you feel like there's a time that comes where you kind of settle into a, maybe you could call it a routine, but something that's more like normal and maybe emanating from a place of rest or peace in life, or is yeah, it still yeah. pretty tricky at this point? At this I would point? say, uh, I would say overall we have, um, been able to settle into like a rhythm of some sort. Um, there's just always life stuff that pops up that, you know, kind of throws that off a little bit, yeah. but having, you know, just having a house that we can call our own here last year, we didn't have that. Um, we've had that this year that we've been running out of house, um, you know, adjust with homeschooling the kids. We have uh, different groups. We're part of um, friends here. I have a men's group, you know, we, oh, that's and, good. Uh, church we go to on Sunday. It's just, yeah, there are a lot of those things that have been really life-giving. I mean, it's the relationships uh, that are the biggest thing that are helping us to, you know, um, feel com feel settled and feel right. um, just like we've, yeah, kind of adjusted. Yeah, and with the, uh, you know, I hear you mentioning basically spiritual community as a factor. And yeah. has that been something you've really had to go after or is it, does it uh, does it seem to be like an either or like oh I got to sacrifice time to make this happen or is it more natural like because I know the finding and cultivating community especially in your faith and as kind of a support system really is make or break it in any community but especially when you guys mm -hmm. are in a in a different country how has that been for you guys Yeah um, yeah I mean it I feel like we we have gone after it. Uh, because we, yeah, we're really wanting to find good relationships. And at the same time, we found there were so many uh, just different families and groups of people we kind of got plugged into that it didn't take long to get plugged in. So there, I mean, there's just these groups of, you know, um, whether it's NGO people or missionaries or, um, just local or, or like we have some British friends who are here doing 
doctor work or they one group does a uh, business a big cocoa business and but they're believers they're super right. solid believers and so um we've just kind of met these people and formed these really incredible relationships and um to be honest that's one of the biggest uh reasons we felt like god's asked us to stay on a little longer than we'd anticipated okay um is to continue cultivating relationships with some people here um and so that's just been yeah really great um but uh, yeah, there have been more great relationships than we expected um, here, uh, which was surprising because we expected to be up in the north. We expected right. to be up in the bush where we would be completely isolated. We didn't want that. Right. We thought that's what we're going to have to do to succeed uh, for the water business, not our family. Um, and uh, <laughs> when God kind of steered us away from that, we were so grateful that he did. Um, it just took us by surprise because this was not in our plan. I mean, I we we brought tents over. We've got everything we brought was like planning to be living in the bush, and yeah, and it feels it just seems strange. And the, I mean, the best part about it, uh, the city is not great, <laughs> but it's the people that we right. have here. It's so many relationships and, uh, that has made yeah all the difference for the family, um, for the kids, and for Jess and for me as well. Yeah. And what, like, you know, looking back uh, over the project so far, you know, in retrospect, so to speak, have you identified anything that you're like, man, you know, I might've done that differently if I'd known <laughs> like, like that it, mm. kind of like a couple of learning, what are a couple of key learnings that you seem to have come across as you look back at this whole journey? Cause you know, it's probably, again, people that think about doing this and they're like, man, I don't want to make the same mistakes. Maybe I'll make some new mistakes, but man, what have the Brown family learned looking back here? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one thing that kind of, I can think of is just, I mean, we really honed in on uh, this idea of like, you know, we've got to live in the bush. We've got to do things this way. And we, we never really paused to think, well, why exactly do we have to do that? You know? And I kind of wonder if God, would have loved to say, Hey, like, don't spend so much time preparing for that. Cause you know, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you're not going to actually end up doing that. So don't, don't worry so much. Cause there was a lot of worry, actually a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, Cause it's also a lot more dangerous out there. And uh, there was, yeah, a lot we uh, went through kind of getting ready to come, but um, also, yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to know if I could have, known that or not um, because we just didn't know what it would look like once we got on the ground right. you know um, it, it was only so much you can see ahead yeah and then once you actually get there once you land then it's like oh oh this is what it looks like right i thought it would look like this but until you're breathing the air and you're actually living the daily life you know eating with food here you, you just don't know what it's going to take or what you need yeah, what you're going to need. Um, and so, yeah, well, that's actually guess, a good guidance. I, uh, that's yeah. good guidance to put yourself in that position of being adaptable, being flexible, being willing to be led yeah. uh, by the Lord yeah. in the midst of your circumstances, even when you've planned on something completely different. Yeah, that was hard. I would say that would have been one of the harder parts was, yeah, letting go of um, <laughs> not that we didn't want to let go, but that it just felt strange and it felt almost like oh man we've been saying we're going to do this thing because we thought we'd be doing this thing so yeah just being able to adapt and uh, let god lead us you know 
Um, I, yeah, I feel like being adaptable is so huge, not holding too tightly onto the way we see things going forward. Right, know? right. Um, yeah. Well, it's like the scripture says, you know, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. And so yeah, it's it, like exactly. you do your part, yeah. but then God wins the battle, you know, his way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's like, I'm glad you came along, but, um, you know, you thought you were doing, going to do it this way. And that was cool. I was fine with you thinking yeah. that, but now that you're here, this is actually how we're going to do it. Right. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you have to be humble and be like, okay, God, yep. Yep. You're right. I, I couldn't have seen the future. And thanks for getting me here, even though yeah. I thought it was for a different reason, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's cool. That's I'm so okay. great. I have known the whole future and why we're, we came. You know? Well, in a way you guys really went into it with a uh, eyes wide open about how rough it might be. Like you were ready to do it the hard way, if Man. needs be to accomplish <laughs> the vision so God's rough. called you to. <laughs> yeah. And then he pivoted that, you know, yeah. but sometimes people might go into a situation like you guys did and they do end up having to do it the hard way. Like that just is how totally. it goes, yeah. you know? And so. And you want to be prepared. <laughs> you yeah, want to be prepared. You <laughs> do not want to go in unprepared to incredibly harsh circumstances. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. totally right. So as you guys yeah. look forward now at this point, I mean, what does the rest of the year look like and kind of what are you hoping to see maybe in like a 12 month window ahead here? Yeah. Um, so just with where things are at right now at the water site, um, the development on site, uh, we think we might be operational maybe by October. Um, we, we'd like to see water getting distributed at that point. Okay. Um, and so then from, from that point on, uh, it'll just be a matter of fine tuning um, our water systems and, uh, you know, kind of working on education in the community on how to use them. Although that should be pretty minimal because they're, they are incredibly simple to use. Um, but really more of educating the community on you know, getting on board, how do they get on board with our system to start getting water. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it'll just be kind of a trial and error, I think for several months, see what works, what doesn't, if we need to shift at that point and try something different. If it does work, then how do we go forward and expand, you know, um, you know, where do we put other water points? But yeah, so uh, I think over the next year, it's just going to be kind of a, just a steady forward um, jog, yeah. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for how things have come along so far and we're looking forward to just getting the water up and up and going, you know, and obviously the people there are just, uh, yeah. So in a year, you'd like to you'd like to have this pretty well established, at least in Karuma. That's yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, yeah, in a year, I really hope things are you know running fairly well. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, all comes back to just we see <laughs> yeah. see how fast things move <laughs> along and what obstacles get and you know put in front of us. And so, um, but we're uh, yeah, we're grateful to have good good a good team and. Uh, Good people working with us and a lot of and a lot of support obviously from the community people are really um happy for what we're doing another just a side um note i don't know if we got to share this because i don't think we got in the water report back but our after we drilled uh we sent off a water quality analysis uh a, a sample of our water right. in the borehole basically to see you know um how good it was and it came back from the national lab is totally drinkable super clean like you know, you just drink it straight out of the tap. It's good Excellent. to go, uh, which was really awesome. So that's, that was a huge relief. So, I mean, 
people because that was not going to be a part of our guarantee. Uh, I mean, we wanted to make sure it wasn't toxic, <laughs> you know, like yeah. nothing bad coming out of the ground. But it was also going to be, look, we can't sell this as drinking water because we would have to license it and then charge so much more and then it wouldn't be affordable. And so we would hope it could be drinkable. And so it's really exciting that, you know, the water people are going to be pumping out um, in their jerry cans is going to be pure water straight out of the tap with no extra cost um, to have to filter it and stuff. So yeah. anyways, that was just kind of, well, that's a yeah, huge win follow up there. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Huge. It is really, because people are, that's the other people are going to drink it. They're yeah. going to drink it no matter what we can tell them, do not drink this water. It's not potable. You know, it's not yeah. safe. Like just use it for washing, use it for all the other things you need. Don't drink it. And they will drink it because right. it's cleaner than the water they already have. Right. They're already drinking swamp water. They're already drinking because they don't have anything, you know? Right. So they're going to drink it. So we're just really glad that since they're going to drink it anyways, it's, it's pure, you know, and it's good. Wow. Um, so yeah, what a, what a little huge. touch from heaven for that community. What a great thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, what, absolutely. That'll just be a life changer for people to have access to something man. like that. Stuff we take it's, so for yeah, granted in the developed world. So for granted. Yeah, it is. It is wild. It's hard to imagine. Yep. Man. Well, that's pretty incredible uh, situation. You guys find yourself in pretty incredible updates. Praise God for the progress. Um, man. Yes. Amen. Any upcoming visits to the U.S. or returns in the next 12 months that you're thinking we, of? Yeah, actually, um, maybe we had initially thought we would be going back to the States this fall, uh, roughly, roughly speaking. Um, we kind of our original um, vision for the for the time we would spend here was going to be that we would be wrapping up by this fall. And uh, not, this is, not that the water system would be wrapped up, <laughs> but just that we are kind of commitment. You know, I would continue overseeing remotely from the right. States, like I'm mostly doing here anyways. Um, but we've felt strongly God telling us um, to stay a little longer um, and not for the water stuff, actually, but right. for those relationships that we talked about um, for the community uh, we built. And so that's been really interesting to hear him saying, that, no, you should you need to stay a little longer. And it's not for that original reason I thought, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to be here probably till the spring at least. Okay. Um, which, you know, it makes things of course more fluid on ground, um, getting some of the water stuff done. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so we plan to be going back to the States maybe, uh, by next summer. That's kind of, okay. the, that's kind of the thought right now, but we're holding things loosely as usual. and just trying to see where God wants us to be. And you know, we're not holding too tightly onto that. Yeah. Those plans. Well, that's fantastic. It'll be exciting to catch up in person when you're back, but we'll keep the podcast interviews going, follow the developments yeah, as we go awesome. along. Um, sure, sure. Well, Matt, thanks for your time and thanks for updating the audience. I know a lot of people are following your journey and comment to me regularly about it and about the development. So awesome. they'll be excited to hear from you guys. This is good. That's great, man. Well, yeah, it's been really fun. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast. Presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.